Welcome all to the next part of our catechism series, paragraphs 950 to 1000. I think wow. we were actually actually supposed to record this episode in October. We were. But with you away in Fatima and a couple other things that just came up and happened, we weren't able to have this episode in October. So now we're early November recording this episode. I And then Thanksgiving is the day we're normally going to record the November episode. So I think we're recording sometime I, next week. I think that's the plan. I think we're shooting for next Monday, but now it looks like we have a funeral on the calendar. Did that get confirmed today? I don't. I actually think that something else happened where we might not have the funeral Okay, the so it'll probably be on Monday. Hopefully on Monday. So you will get more or less a doubleheader. And I want to say it's going to be like not this late in the day. Like, I think we yeah, schedule it for like, like 1 o'clock. o'clock. Yeah, something like that. So, hey, maybe we'll a nice lunch break catechism episode. Exactly. Either way, keep your notifications on on your phone, on YouTube or Facebook. It'll let you know when we go live. Mm-hmm. And we just went live, so I'm sure people will be viewing and tuning in. The funny thing is, yeah. my mom keeps watching the videos that we do. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I have 10 views. Thanks, mom, for watching it 10 times. I appreciate it. And now it's true. It's it great, is true. which is great because then my mom's going to get back from the vacation she's on. And look, we're going to get like... 15 and she's going to cover all the views. She she is. It's going to be amazing. Oh, my goodness. We're going to go way up in the algorithm. Between our two mothers, like, we are just going to be. 25 views. Amazing. (laughs) I know. And I am going to let it go to my head. That's exactly what I'm going to do. It's already gone to my head. I know. My goodness. (laughs) All right, Father, we should pray. I agree. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come together today to continue to discuss the awesome unfolding treasures of our faith. We thank you for all of those who worked so hard to put the catechism together at the end of the 80s and the 90s, and that we, Michael and I, have the opportunity to continue to mine the depths of this great document, to learn the glories of our faith, and to share it um, from the studio, from our parish, with all the people who tune in. We ask you to help us to be ever more grateful for our faith, Um, as we strive on in the church militant, as we pray for those in the church suffering, and as we rely on the intercession of all those in the church triumphant in heaven. And we ask the principal member of the church triumphant, the glorious uh, ever-Virgin Mary, for her help as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus. Have mercy on us. Immaculate heart of Mary. Pray for us. St. Leo the Great. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Father. Absolutely. All right. So, getting into the catechism. We are on paragraphs. We will hit paragraph 1,000. I know. That's pretty amazing. That is pretty awesome. What did we say? How many are there? 3,000? It's not even 3,000. It's less It's less than three. It's 250-something, I think. So, I mean, we're, um, we're moving right along. Half? Is that what we're saying? We're getting there. Oh, no, no I'm sorry. Just, just shy. So, it's 2865. So, yeah. So, we're we're almost a third. Mm-hmm. No, just a, we are just over a third. We're doing pretty well. Yeah, we're yeah. doing great. It's great. Um, and so reminding people where we're at, um, we're going through the section on the creed, mm-hmm. right? So specifically the Apostles' Creed. We just finished the section on the Holy Catholic Church. So now we've kind of got a lot of those little sentences. The communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Yeah. And I think we 
almost finished. Almost, almost, almost we're not the, quite the there. Section here at paragraph and it has happened to us many times now um, in going through the catechism. It's sort of like we hit some particular paragraphs at the right time mm-hmm. of year. And so today, you know, we kind of hit some things about, you know, the resurrection of the body, um, the church suffering, you know, and, and even the church triumphant in heaven, um, you know, as we are in the month of November, you know, very much focusing on the last things, focusing on All Saints Day, All Souls Day. And uh, I feel so blessed that here at Sacred Heart, we were able to have that beautiful mass out in the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have to send you the pictures that Bill Rogers sent me oh, nice. that are just beautiful. I'll have to put them online. But, yeah, we didn't live yeah. stream the outdoor mass. We do have the capability, but... It's still tough to get it, it all the way down little, to the cemetery. It's a little trickier. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, because we, we've been able to do burials down there, right? Yeah. And you did it from your phone? That's it's cool. on my phone. The audio is not great, but you still get the... That's cool. Yeah, one of these days. But uh, just to encourage everybody, if you get a chance, you know, make a stop by the cemetery, pray for the repose of the soul of the faithful departed, um, because there's indulgences attached to that during this time of year, during the month of November. So Yeah, and I think it is nice that um, you kind of get this part of the year where we're praying for the deceased, we're Mm -hmm. remembering our own death that is coming, and then... You get Christ the King. It's like, hey, it's a new year. And now we're going to look towards Christmas. Absolutely. So it really is kind of a great way to end the liturgical season. Ties in, at least on the northern hemisphere, with the change of the season, with things around us. Dying, good Mm -hmm. reminder of our death as all the leaves fall from the trees. And then... The joy of Christmas is almost upon us. Exactly. And I mean, those those beginning weeks of Advent are always very eschatological to me, like the end of time, you know? So like focusing on Christ's first coming at Bethlehem and remembering the fact that Christ will come again. Yep. And so during that preparation season, uh, you know, we look to prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ. And just a little plug, you know, we have our parish family mission coming up on November the 19th. It's a mm-hmm. Saturday night. It'll begin at 6, so after the 4.30 Mass. We say parish family mission. It means the entire parish family, um, mm-hmm. but that also includes the little guys. So I'm really going to try to gear the homily um, for, the, for the mission. It won't be super long, mm-hmm. but to try to gear it to everybody. And why Advent's an important season, how we might kind of do this together a little bit. Um, but basically, you know, we want to like try, and I know it sounds like the Grinch, but I think it helps to be talking about on November the 10th and even the 19th before we really get into, you know, the whole wide world has gone totally all in on Christmas. My and wife it, already had Christmas music on the deck. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not even anti-Christmas music. I'll give you, a, give you an example. I leave my nativity scene up all year long. It is on my mantle. I love it. I won't take it down. I did add a crucifix right behind it because it all ties together. Mm-hmm. It's all very incarnational. Um, but, you know, just making sure that it's like it, it's wonderful to decorate for Christmas, but we got to make sure that we're preparing our hearts mm-hmm. and helping the kiddos to do that too is a huge thing as opposed to it's like parting all the way through December and then December 26th just feels like a big letdown, you know? It's like, don't do that. You know, like, let's let's prepare and spiritually prepare as best as we can. And I'll be praying about this a lot and, like, okay, how do we do this together as a parish and help each other out? And, um, yeah, so that's what we're going to try to do on November 19th, 6 o'clock, a little bit of adoration, a little talk, probably be wrapping up in the church by 645 at the latest, 
go over to Brinsfield Hall for some tacos, which is wonderful. Everybody likes tacos. Of course. I mean, that's it's a, what better way to celebrate Christ the King than, than eating tacos? It's going to be amazing. I can't think of too many. I really can't either. And then and I, I think our Lord would agree. Like, I, I really do. I mean, I think he's, he's going to be he fine. He did not live at the time of no, tacos. I think he would have been a fan. I really do. Um, and he is a fan. So because I'll just stop <laughs> before this gets to be too sacrilegious. And then we uh, will move into um, uh, some crafts for the yeah. whole family to yeah. prepare for Advent. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Yeah. And the way I've kind of said it on the, the Facebook post and stuff is that all are invited to attend. Yeah. Families with children are strongly encouraged Perfect. to attend. Because as a family with kids, sometimes you feel like, oh, don't want to bring the kids. Don't want to interrupt the vibe or the feel. Yeah. Don't want them to get too noisy. We want people to understand that hey. this is, I mean, the whole craft. I mean, we're doing crafts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What, what better age group than second grade? It will be geared towards the kids. But as I've heard, you know, like getting to celebrate the school mass every week. Um, I mean, when I'm preaching, I'm preaching to everybody. And oh, yeah. sometimes when it's like I'm trying to gear a message to the little guys, I've heard some people say, like, that's when it means the most to them. Like some of the it's adults. The yeah, the exactly. Clearest. Exactly. Because you're trying to make it clear for everybody. And it, so that's what I'm going to attempt to do. And plus, we just get some time all together in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I'll have it in, in Espanol and in English. Um, we'll try to do that as seamlessly as possible. Have some things written out. I mean, it, I think it's going to be good. And if it's a family on the older end and they want to do the craft too, they're welcome to stay. Of course. If they just want the tacos and leave, that's perfect as well. Come and go as you please. Stay for as little or all or come. I mean, if you want to skip the adoration part, I guess you could just get the tacos. I wouldn't recommend that. That's going to be the best part. Not recommended. Yeah. But we're not going to. We're going in order of awesomeness. Adoration, tacos, crafts. I'm offended. (laughs) Crafts are awesome. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not saying that they're not. But... We probably should have saved the tacos till the end to keep people around longer. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It, it is what it is. I'm just kidding. I just really like tacos. So. All right, we should dive into the <laughs> community <laughs> of the saints here, or we're just going to talk about tacos the whole time. I think the community of the saints enjoy the tacos. So probably. It's they good. enjoy us enjoying them. Indeed, indeed. So right. community of saints. So let's quickly define what we're talking about here. Father, you want to take that away and tell us what the Communion Saints actually is. Are we jumping right to... I'm at 646, because I don't think we really touched 640, on... you mean 946? 946. Okay, that, cool. That okay, I was going to say... A little dyslexia in my brain. No, 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 no. You're, you're doing great. Um, okay, so we get into this, like, word of communion all over the place, right? One of the big things... Okay, nine, I'm going to look at 948. The term Communion of Saints, therefore, has two closely linked meanings communion in holy things and among holy persons. And then uh, we go into Sancti Sanctis. God's holy gifts for God's holy people is proclaimed by the celebrant in most Eastern liturgies during the elevation of the holy gifts before the distribution of communion. The faithful, Sancti, are fed by Christ's holy body and blood, Sancta, to grow in the communion of the Holy Spirit, Koinonia, and to communicate it to the world. Okay, so we know that the saints in heaven, you know, are in communion and actually, I love this this next spirit, this next couple of paragraphs of the yeah. communion of sacraments, communion of charisms, you know, communion of charity. Like, ultimately, we're all called into you know this glorious symphony of you know all the different parts of God fitting everything together. All these different people, all these moving parts that are more than just moving parts. They're living beings with free wills and intellects and, you know, stretching back 
you know, to our first parents, to today and beyond into the future. And God knows how all of this fits together. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of those amazing things about getting to have mass down in the cemetery. It's like this recognition, like, yeah, all these people have come before. They didn't just like go out of existence. Their being here matters. And so we're praying for them that, you know, okay, they might not be in the full-blown communion of saints yet, but they're on their way. They're in purgatory. And so we're praying for them. Um, and that we get to participate in, as it said, these holy things, mm-hmm. literally receiving the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. Like when we come to Mass, it's this participation in heaven. So one other little thing. Yesterday was the feast of the dedication of St. John Lateran, unique day in the church calendar because we're celebrating a building mm-hmm. rather than a person, but it's the cathedral church of the Diocese of Rome. It's where the chair, like where, you know, um, Pope, the, the successor of Peter, the Pope's authority resides. It's right? a beautiful church. It is. Isn't it's amazing. Doesn't this church have all these statues of the 12 apostles? Yep. Like these. It's the pillars statues. of the church are the all apostles. Along the side walls it's of, such of a cool place. Yeah. I love it. And right across the street is the. The stairs. The stairs. Yep. St. Helen brought. Yeah. Yep. I remember so my cool. room. In oh, yeah. It's an awesome yeah. place. But in the midst of that church, there's a side altar. And just so you know this too, kind of fun Catholic trivia. St. John Lateran is not named for one, but two Saints John, hmm. uh, St. John the Baptist and St. John the Evangelist. Okay. And there's an altar where it's sort of like, okay, if you imagine our, you know, our big sacred heart statue, right? Mm-hmm. And imagine there you have a big painting and one of St. John the Baptist pointing down at the altar where Christ will be in the Eucharist, and then St. John the Evangelist pointing up to heaven. Hmm. And I it's a scene. Oh, so cool. It's a little bit of a side chapel. Mm-hmm. Got to offer Mass there once. Mm-hmm. I'll show you the picture after this. Nice. Maybe we'll post it on Facebook. Hey, we could. It's going to be me more than 10 years ago, so I have more hair. It's less gray. It's wonderful. Um, so, you know, but it's, it's where, where heaven and earth meet, right? And, I mean, we, we ask in the confidior, you know, Blessed Mother and all the saints, right? We know that, you know, that heaven is opening up at every Mass, and we're getting to participate in that. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes, you know, it's easy for that to sort of go over our heads, right? We don't, don't always notice this, but it's, high, it's, it's, it's personal. Our Lord is looking at each one of us, um, but, you know, and, and that's why sin is so destructive because it sort of like takes away the symphony of everybody coming together and singing the glories of God of all time and, and, and that. And so it's like this communion, everyone fitting together. I know that's jumping into a whole lot off no, of one paragraph. No, that's totally fine. But, but you see what I'm saying. It's like this, this communion. And then you can see as we move through from 950, 951, communion of sacraments. Like we get to participate now in the ministry of Jesus Christ. You know, after the ascension, right, like the public ministry of Jesus Christ came to an end as far as like him going and healing the blind and raising Lazarus from the dead in that way. But after, you know, Pentecost, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, him promising us of the ascension, I will be with you always until the end of the age. And even told the apostles at the Last Supper, you know, you will do greater things than this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, by his outpouring, by his love, by this communion of the sacraments, we get to participate in the healing love of Jesus Christ every single day. I mean, I was in the confessional last night. I think I was going to tell you about this. It was funny because I'll just tell you, I'm a human being. I get kind of tired around of six, six, seven o'clock at night, especially the week after time change. So you're my, saying you're not Padre Pio? Is that I'm what saying I'm not? By, oh, to? it's clear, right? It's <laughs> totally clear um, for all sorts of reasons. But so I get in the confessional at about six mm-hmm. and 
it really wasn't that long of a line. I mean, like 10 till 7, I'm wrapping up. I'm like, I'm going to go home and have dinner like 7 tonight. It's going to be amazing. And so it wraps up. It's like 7 o'clock. Shut off the, the noisemaker. Shut off the light. Stepping out. And I see someone walking in. I just kind of look at her. And I was like, and I kind of pointed. And she goes, okay. no, I'm like, of course, no problem. I get back in. Hear a confession. And then I look out. There's a line like way back. So I didn't get done until probably a little after eight. That's you know, the worst. Oh, it, but it, not it's that I, not that no, 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 no. It's okay. But, but can, you know, when you think it's like, okay, I'm going to be done early. And it's like, oh, no, I'm not. Yeah. And okay. The, you know, physical fallen human element is like, but it's like, okay, Lord, like, thank you. Thank you that I get to be present as I get to reconcile these people. And it's like, so the communion of the sacraments, like heaven and earth are meeting. Like every time this is happening, I mean, our Lord says in Luke 15, when he gives those examples of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one repentant sinner than over 99 who had no need of repentance. I mean, the secret is we all need repentance. You know, we're all the lost, we're sheep. All the lost sheep. And so like every one of those confessions, it's like heaven's opening up and rejoicing. And even if I'm kind of physically like, okay, I'm kind of ready to go home and, you know, have my dinner. But it's like, I get to participate in this. Mm-hmm. And all I have to do is just continue to be here. And there's no less rejoicing in heaven when you're tired no. versus like in there all excited to go. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, in some ways it's like, okay, maybe uh, in the moment I may not get as many uh, like amazing <laughs> consolations at the second. It's like, hey, Lord, I just offer it up to you. It's mm-hmm. just, it's good. And I will say this though, as a priest, it takes training and time to kind of, you know, get more and more to that point. It's like any, any exercise. You got to kind of work to that. Get so, into the two hour confession shape. Yeah. Cause it's not easy all the time. So, but it was, it was glorious, you know, to, to get to be a part of that. But you know, like that's where we encounter Christ. We get to be a part of the communion of the sacraments. I mean, you think about the Holy Roman Catholic church, we've been given the sacraments um, by Christ and he continues his ministry even to this day through us unworthy ministers. It's just amazing. Yeah, and so we have the communion of the sacraments, togetherness in the sacraments, togetherness in, it talks about charisms, uh, common good, charity. But obviously, talk about the saints, yeah. right, is an awesome part of the church. However, the saints is not the only part of the church, right? And kind of going back to you, ta- you talking about having mass in the cemetery. Yeah. Those people, several of those people probably are already saints. Oh, yeah. They might be in heaven, and we just don't know. We just don't know We yet. might have saints, first-class relics, buried in our midst. Yeah. And we just don't realize it because the church has not proclaimed them to be a saint. However, right, as much honor and glory we give to the saints, there's more to the church. There's more of the community, the more of the communion than just that. It's obviously us mm-hmm. on earth participating in the life of the church called the church militant. And then those in purgatory who are still trying to finish, not finish the race, I guess finish the race. They're trying to let go of worldly attachments, pay back temporal punishment for the sins they committed here on earth so that they may one day be with God in heaven, the church suffering. And so all three parts, I think there's a more technical term than parts of the church, but I'm blanking on what that is. Um, it says the three states of the church. Three states of the church. That works. I guess the states is a little bit more technical than parts. Yeah. Um, we're all in communion together, and we all are playing a different role within the life of the church. The saints have already won the race. They have finished. They are in the glory of God. But we, the church militant, we're still the battleground. Yeah. Hence, the militant aspect of it. 
and we are ultimately what is being fought over. Yeah. Right. Our souls are the prize, are the treasure that God is trying to bring back to himself or the devil is trying to pull away from him. So we are always effectively in this. Exactly. In this battleground. And the one thing I would say is, you know, when we think about the church triumphant, is that their intercession is so powerful. If you go to paragraph 956, it talks about the intercession of the saints. And, you know, okay, two quotes that are really good, one from St. Dominic, one from St. Therese of Lisieux, which, by the way, I have a very small relic of St. Therese of Lisieux right oh, there. That's awesome. Um, so St. Dominic said to some of his brethren when he was dying, do not weep, for I shall be more useful to you after my death, and I shall help you then more effectively than during my life. And St. Therese said, I want to spend my heaven in doing good on earth. So you think about that. It's like, you know, the intercessory prayer from the saints is so powerful. And I don't know about you, but it's it's amazing how sometimes, like, you kind of find a saint that's like, okay, I think I think he or she is trying to get my attention. Like, I'm, I'm cheering for you, buddy. Like, I'm working on this. So one small example. Mm-hmm. When we were in Fatima on this most recent trip, there's kind of a foundational saint um, from the Middle Ages. I forget his exact years, uh, but a former um, like king of Portugal, Saint Nuno, right? Okay. And uh, we went up on this big – actually, it was by this big relic chapel. We got to go mm-hmm. in a town called Orem. Mm-hmm. And on top of this, you got this castle where Saint Nuno was, and there's a big statue of him on a horse, and it said his canonization date. April 26, 2009, the very date I was ordained a deacon. And I was like, whoa, what? that's incredible. That's amazing. So I was like, okay, St. Nuno, I'm going to, you know, so it's just one of those little things from heaven. It's like, hey, we share this date, and it's it's a really cool thing. Because yeah. that is the day, you know, I made the promise of celibacy, the day I laid my life down the floor. You made the promise to say your office. Exactly. About Absolutely. The day that I gained the nickname Snots from Monsignor, uh, Monsignor Heights. So, I mean, like, it was just, it was really cool. You know, there are times when, like, you can tell, like, you connect with someone. And so from heaven... You know, they're looking out after us. They're interceding on our behalf. And so it's not like, you know, it comes to heaven. It's being in communion. It's being more in love than ever. And when you're in love, it's not like, I'm in love. I'm going to go sit on the couch and do nothing. Like, no, like you're energized. And plus, they're then freed from, you know, the, the difficulties of the fallenness that we have to deal with. And by that, I mean just the normal stuff. We get tired, we get hungry, we get cranky. Like there are things that get harder. And as we get older, we get different pains and aches. They don't have to worry about that anymore. I mean, eventually there will be the resurrection of the body, but it's like they are just in love and they don't have the hindrances that we have anymore. And so they can go to our Lord on our behalf and they care about us. And it's just, it's an awesome thing to think about. And you know, we have our special patron saints, the ones we're named after, the ones we picked at confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's the ones that just really mean something to us. Like, I, you know, I love St. John Paul II. I love the shepherd children from Fatima. Um, and, of course, I love our Blessed Mother. And we're going to get to more about her here pretty soon, too. Exactly. And I love what you said there about not having the just the normal temporal restraints yeah. that we have. Great example just from my own life. My wife went to a Bible study last night, which is awesome. Yeah. It's over in Huntersville. So there's like, you know, a 45-minute drive time, Bible study for an hour and a half or whatever, 45-minute drive back. It's a, it's a fairly long yeah, time. it's a commitment. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the kids to bed. I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to clean up the house. I'm going to make everything look good 
for when my wife comes home. Well, I do about half of it. And then I remember that there's a new Star Wars Andor <laughs> episode that came out on Disney Plus. Sure. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch this 45 minute episode with a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> it was fantastic. And then I finished that and got up and did some more. Now, I did not fold the laundry. Should I have folded the laundry instead of watching Andor? I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> Probably. But I was tired and I wanted to have some comfort time rather than just sure. work all night. So I wish I could have folded the laundry, but I didn't. I understand. You know, and you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Exactly. And it's good that you did that. And you didn't just do ice cream in Star Wars time because you could have like popped in one of the three movies and I kept going. Probably two of them. You could have. And actually, side note, Andor. Yeah. I don't know if you're much of a Star Wars guy, but Andor is absolutely fantastic. Well, that's good to hear. Like, I expect this show to win multiple awards. It is that good. I have to watch it Not at some that point. I want people to go out and buy Disney Plus, but I have it, so I'm going to enjoy it. I gotcha. I just, I got so hung up on Jar Jar Binks. I haven't done anything for a long time. This one's so good. Okay. It's good to know. Um, anyways, <laughs> let's talk about the dead a little bit more. Please. We talked about heaven quite a bit, us church militant. So the thing we have to remember about those who are have died and are in purgatory is that they cannot assist themselves no. in this journey, right? The only way that they can be assisted in this journey to heaven out of purgatory is through those, either the saints in heaven or us on earth, assisting them. Yeah. Praying for them. As Jesus says, some demons can only be cast out through prayer and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. We need to have prayer and sacrifice to help our brothers and sisters get to heaven. But the wonderful thing that I always love is that guess what happens if you help them get to heaven? Oh, yeah. They turn right around, and then they're your best champion and intercessor praying for you to help you finish that journey as well. So this communion or community, it's just everyone's helping each other and working together and pulling each other up and dusting each other off. And in the end, the glory of heaven, I think, is going to be, wait, I prayed for you, and you prayed for me, and we prayed for this person, and now we're all in heaven together, and isn't this absolutely amazing? Absolutely. And the stories that we're going to be able to share together is going to be awesome. And then when you think about that, too, it's and it's going to be outside of time, which we can't wrap our minds around, but it's the hardest thing right now is it's like in the back of your mind when something's really good. It's like, you know, it's going to come to an end. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, and not to be Mr. Melancholic or Debbie My Denner, episode of Star Wars and my bowl of ice cream both came to an end. They both came to an end. My trip to Fatima came to an end. The beautiful school mass today came to an end. Like, we are in passing time. But when you think about the eternity of heaven, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a beautiful thing, too, in the fact that, okay, no matter how bad it gets, things are going to pass. It'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Like, and even, I heard something the other day. It was a really good talk on the Thomistic Institute on like the psychology of being happy with Dr. Christopher Kazor, hmm. I want to say it was really good. But he talked about how quickly, like, you know, we get distracted. He's like, have you ever gotten distracted when you're praying? I know I have. And he said, remember that when you're tempted? Because remember, no matter how tempting something is, it'll pass. Mm -hmm. Just make sure you pass. Like, yeah. you know, resist the devil. He will, he will go away. You know, like, don't like hold on to the temptations. Don't, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, don't go hang out at the ice cream store. If you're trying to be chased, don't get on the internet and go to particular places, right? Like, make sure that you're doing the right things, but, like, temptations will pass. Um, and so that, you know, it's a beautiful thing in this life uh, that we know that eventually, like, we're going to move on towards the eternal glory. Okay, 
So I got kind of on a tangent there, and I apologize. No, it was a very good tangent. Okay, good. So when we think about those souls in purgatory, and you made a good point about the cemetery, right? Some of those people may well already be in heaven. I have my thoughts on who some of them might be, right? Um, But this is actually one of the things I said in my homily on All Souls Day. We need to keep praying for them anyway, Mm -hmm. because none of our prayers are ever wasted. It's not like, oh, Tom Moore, he's already here. Quit praying for him, okay? It's like, no, I mean... Tom Moore, just like he was in life, because he used to call me and say, we got one, Father. We got to close the deal on this one, meaning they need to come into the church. I've been talking to them for years. Now you need to come and bring them into the faith. It's awesome. Like, he's still going to be doing that, right, in heaven. And so it's like, okay, I'm praying for the repose of Tom and Pat Moore. I think we had a mass for them really recently. Um, Actually, I think it was All Saints Day. Yeah, Father Julio took it because it was the Spanish mass. Anyway, I digress. Um, But it's like, okay, let's say that they're both already in the glories of heaven. Are the graces from that mass wasted? No. Like, God knows what to do with all this or how to apply it way back in Tom and Pat Moore's life. Mm -hmm. God is outside of time. He can deal with these things as he sees fit, and he knows how to put all the pieces together. And and that's going to be part of the glory of heaven, like you're saying. Like, you pray for me, you pray. It's like to look at it all and, like, the unfolding of time from the beginning, from our first parents to the grand conclusion in a book of Revelation type way of it all getting rolled up. You know, it's like um, the last battle in C.S. Lewis's oh, Chronicles of Narnia. Best, Amazing. Best it's so good. And, I mean, and, and all of those things, like, pale in comparison to the reality of what we're looking toward. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, we've done all this without ever once, like, talking about heaven just being about golf and ice cream. Like, it's, yeah, wonderful. They're delightful things, but it's so much deeper and better than that. You know, like, we get little foretastes and little things, like, where it's like, wow, this tastes amazing. But it's so much deeper than mere taste or comfort. It's to be in communion, to be perfectly known and loved, and to know and love perfectly. Ah, it's just it, that communion, like, it synthesizes it so well. And so we pray for those in purgatory to be purified for that communion because there is no place for selfishness in heaven. Like it's a total outpouring of the self. But when you think about it, your happiest moments in life are when you're forgetting about yourself and just going all in, you know? Yeah, they're not in the fullness of communion, but we're also not in the fullness yep, of communion. Exactly. Um, so we're all working towards that fullness. But in the church militant, we have the opportunity to grow in selflessness mm-hmm. by loving our brothers and sisters in the church suffering and making sacrifices for them, praying and fasting, just yeah. like you were saying. Yeah, so, awesome. Good stuff. Well, we are nine paragraphs in and about 30 minutes in. So let's move on to Mary. I, I, I love talking a, about heaven. At least yeah. 20 more minutes on Mary. It's or, true. Two hours. Or two or, hours. Which we actually did on the, your uh, pre and post Fatima. That's true, which was such a great time. <laughs> so, Mary, right? Now, Mary is participating in this communion, obviously. Mm-hmm. Most perfectly participating in the, the uh, communion. Mm-hmm. So first, communion with one another, with one another has to do with communion with, with Jesus God. Christ. With God. And with God. Exactly. Mary had a communion with her son that mm-hmm. no other human being will ever have yeah. other than her. And she was able to participate in that communion well before heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was essentially living heaven on earth with the perfection of the communions that she had with her son. So what is Mary's role in this whole thing? And I know that's like the biggest watermelon pitch that I could give you. Uh, that is a big one. And I think, I think the catechism gives her a whole bunch of titles here at the end of 969. Therefore, the Blessed Virgin is invoked in the church under the titles of Advocate, 
helper, benefactress, and mediatrix. Um, so with all of these, and it goes on to go to pains to say that like all of this is in complete communion with her son. Like she doesn't get to do any of this without the total love of her son. And she never tries to draw attention to herself. I mean, you think about her beautiful Magnificat at the visitation, you know, and talking to St. Elizabeth, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Like he, she, she doesn't, take attention away from our, from our Lord. She does everything. All the gifts she's been given are like put at his disposal to help mediate and bring more and more of us into that communion. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, I, I know I say this a lot. It's one of my, you know, favorite things to preach about. It's like, when you think about the fact that our Lord uses those, you know, communion of charisms, Mary has like the greatest of all charisms, right? She is completely in love with our Lord. She gave her fiat. She's completely open. There's no, you know, self-concern. Like, she is without sin. It's all like, yeah, be it done to me according to thy word. Mm -hmm. Um, And she means it. And so, like, everything with her is about doing the will of God, which has to do with, you know, Jesus says, this is the will of the one who sent me that I should not lose anything of what he gave me. She's completely in league. She loves our Lord and will do anything she can to help love him more and to help us love him more. Mm-hmm. And like anything, love expands and grows. And so you want your beloved people to be involved in what you love, you know? Like, for example, you just shared with us about the Star Wars. You like it. It's something you delight in. You shared it with us. I mean, it's a much smaller example, but it's like, you know. It's you're not on the grandeur of no, Mary or heaven. of course not. But it's like, it's what we do. And you know, we are creating the image and likeness of God. We mirror how glorious God is. And you think about that communion, that self outpouring, you know, she wants the same sort of things for us. It's not like she's in heaven going, okay, I got here first. You all can just do whatever you want. Like, no, she, and you think about the apparitions over time, right? They're always about spreading, you know, the love of heaven, that communion of heaven with more and more people praying for what? The conversion of poor sinners. Why? Because sin sucks. I mean, ultimately, sin is its own reward. C.S. Lewis talks about this in The Great Divorce. It's like people will find, you know, it's like hell will stretch back into our lives with whatever sin we chose instead of God. Sin goes back and corrupts even the good that we chose in like, you know, making it bad. Like, okay, a relationship that was extramarital, that at first sounded so good, like the sin just corrupts that. It makes it worse and worse. Mm -hmm. Um, So like what even seemed good in the beginning is bad. Whereas with heaven, even the suffering that was endured on on behalf of God, the sake of poor sinners, you know, or even just to live out your vocation, right? Like you had to suffer through like, you know, working hard to clean the house. Okay, I know it's a small thing, but like... Even sufferings we endure for the sake of our loved ones, even though they were hard in the moment, the glories of heaven reach back and will glorify that all the way back. And so Mary helps direct all of that, knowing her son so fully. Um, And how beautiful it is that, you know, our Lord, as I've liked to say before, doesn't give us a, you know, a heavenly drill sergeant to kick us into shape. He gives us a mother to remind us that we are loved. And even when it's like, okay, the king of kings may come on too strong for some Mm -hmm. people, they're too intimidated. So what does he do? He sends his blessed mother 
who can, you know, be small. So to, I mean, so can Christ, but it's like he knows when a mother's touch is what's necessary. Yeah. And, you know, and so she becomes what? The helper, you know, and, and she's happy to be that helper to help us to grow closer to her son. And as it talks about in... 971, this is why we have so much devotion to her. Yeah. This is why devotion in the church is intimately tied between Mary and Jesus because of the love that Jesus had for his mother yeah. and giving his mother to us. Yeah. I think the, the best quote that I've heard from you, I think about Mary, and the one I've used quite a bit in RCIA and things, and actually it wasn't even you, it was another priest, I'm sure, yeah. asked the question, can we love Mary too much? Mm-hmm. And the, the answer was, well, I guess if we love her more than her son, I guess that would be too much. Yeah. Which is impossible for our little yeah. human nature that we have. Exactly. We just can't do it. Mm-hmm. So how can we love Mary more and allow her to intercede for us, to be our advocate, helper, benefactress, and mediatrix? Exactly. Um, I mean, those are some pretty hefty titles. Right? Absolutely. We're, we're giving to her. And she's playing this huge, colossal role within the communion, as you've stated very well already. And But how can we participate in that even more? And that's something that I think we're all working on in this, in this life. And I think, too, I mean, you brought up a very important word, in my opinion, devotion. Yeah. I think devotion is one of the, let's call it a nuclear weapon, that I think we can employ to save us in this particular era of spiritual warfare. I think the more we do things out of love and devotion, like showing up, at an inconvenient hour to spend time in adoration, right? To keep praying that rosary, even when it's a difficult thing to do. And to do it all and say, like, Blessed Mother, I'm tired right now, but I know you asked me to pray a rosary every day. And you know what? I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it because I love you. I think that has so much more power than we recognize. And remember, like, you may not get all kinds of consolation every time you pray, right? But just because you don't get consolation out of it, doesn't mean that it's less powerful. In fact, it may be even more powerful Mm -hmm. because you're doing something you don't necessarily want to do, but you know it's what you ought to do. It's something you can do out of love. And then that goes an incredibly long way. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, you don't have to be like, oh no, I'm enjoying the rosary. I probably shouldn't be doing this. No. I mean, I think the more you pray the rosary, the more you enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I've had some people say that to me here recently that, you know, Father, you've been telling us to pray the rosary every day. And at first it was tough, but yeah, I, I look forward to that time now. Yeah, it makes sense. I think, I forget exactly where it said it, um, but about, oh, here it is. At the very end of Pair of 971 on Devotion to the Blessed Virgin, mm-hmm. it says, the liturgical feast dedicated to the Mother of God and Mary in prayer, such as the rosary, an epitome of the whole gospel, express this devotion to the Virgin Mary. Okay, the epitome of the whole gospel. Why? That's a pretty, pretty heavy statement. Because it's 20 mysteries that deal with, you know, from the Annunciation, the Incarnation, to basically like the glorification in heaven, you know, the crowning of Mary, queen of heaven and earth. Um, It's like, you know, the consummation of all things and everything in between. And with all of that, you know, it's, it's seeing the gospel in total, praying those prayers that announced the fact that we have hope in a fallen world. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. I mean, the angel Gabriel saying that to our blessed mother, and this is, the, this is the glory. Once again, the charisms, they're not meant for one person. That gift to her was meant for all of us. She is our advocate, our helper, our benefactress. Like She was given a gift that she didn't keep to herself, but she opens up her hands like she did at Fatima, and like the children see themselves in the light of God because he, you know, like she's so full of grace 
that she's sharing it with us and like helping us into that. Like she wants us to come into this. And what is she doing? She's teaching us the gospel. I mean, she just keeps going right back to sacred scripture. And and she gives us the perfect example of how to meditate on sacred scripture. She held on to all these things, holding them in her heart. Or what is it? Yeah, she held on to these things in her heart. In the silence of her heart. In her silence of her heart. And it ha- and we hear that twice um, with the coming of the uh, Magi. And after Jesus comes back home with her and Joseph after the losing of Jesus in the Wasn't temple. Wasn't it also at Isn't the those two? presentation in the temple? I want to say when, it was just two. It might have been that Anna, instead. Anna and Simeon. You know what? I think you're right. I think it's the presentation and then the finding of Jesus in the temple. Because the Magi, I think we only get that in Matthew. And I don't think Matthew tells us that phrase. So I think you're correct. But twice we get that phrase. Yeah. And it's almost like Luke telling us, like, pay attention. Like, she knows how to take all these things. And even if, you know, at the moment when she, I mean, think about what she says to Jesus when they find him in the temple. Son, why have you done this to us? It's not as though Mary, you know, from the Annunciation is like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen. Now, she can probably figure it out that when God becomes man, man is not always going to react in a super wonderful way, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. she may be able to kind of see on the horizon that the cross is going to come. I mean, even when you look at the wedding feast at Cana, I mean, it's like Jesus saying like, woman, it's not my hour. And it's like, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to go out there? Like, I don't get to stay at home anymore. Like, you know, I went back home with you at the, the temple. Now, I don't get to come back home anymore after this. Like, you're making a sacrifice if I start this. Basically. And so, and at that point on, I mean, he's not back home with Mary anymore. You know, I think about, I mean, I hope I don't get emotional, but at the, at a priest's ordination, right? The very last time I got to sit with my parents at a mass was when I process in as a deacon at my priesthood ordination and sit next to my mom, mm-hmm. you know, let those to be ordained priests come forward. You know, John James Eckert, my mom like kind of squeezes my hand, press it. You know, I don't get to sit with her anymore. Yeah. I am now not my own, you know, like now granted. I try to spend time with them and all that, but I mean, I don't belong to my family. Well, you get anymore. to say mass with them sitting in the family room at I least do. once a week. It's awesome. Yeah, although I haven't seen them in a while because they've been on a trip. Anyway, but you, you know what I mean, though. But at the same time, it's like my priority is the parish. Like, mm-hmm. that's what comes first. Yeah. Um, and obviously, much less. I'm not Jesus. She's not Mary. Like, we, we rely on that. But in just a lesser way, you know, it's like, but like she. She shares him with us. Mm-hmm. And she loves us so much that she's willing to say to those servants at the wedding feast, Kina, do whatever he tells you. You yeah. know, it's not, okay, you're right, I don't want you to go. It's it's time. And, you know, and that's only chapter two of the Gospel of John. And if I'm not mistaken, chronologically speaking, in the way the Gospels are laid out, that's the last time she speaks. Now, she's present, but that's the last time she speaks. Mm-hmm. You know, do whatever he tells you. And I mean... You can't get better better wisdom than that. Yeah. And so as it's a, a parting word in yeah. chapter two. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Right out of the gate. So it's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, we need to move on to the next part of the creed. Believe in the forgiveness of sins. Which is another great place to go. Which is a very great place to go. And so we have to understand that this forgiveness of sins comes from scripture, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Jesus says, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That's quoted from John chapter 20, uh, right there in paragraph 976 of the Catechism. So we have to understand that Christ gave the apostles the authority to forgive sins, mm-hmm. right? So this, and actually, one of my one of my favorite Bible passages, right, when he 
talks, I think it's to the Pharisees. Is it harder to say your sins are forgiven or is it harder to say, pick up your mat and walk to this lame man? He yeah. says, so that you may believe I can forgive sins, pick up your mat, walk and go home. It's like, whoa, you just pulled out the big guns there to show that this is actually possible, that you have the authority to do this, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, son of God, and is passing on to the apostles, right? Because yeah. I totally agree. Like, Great. Yeah, you can say whatever you want about sins. I can't see that. I don't know this is happening. But if you tell a lame man to pick up his mat and walk and go home, yeah, I've seen him lay on the floor for his entire life, and now he's walking? Okay, I guess I could believe that the whole sin thing actually exists as well. Absolutely. And and, and I'm glad that's your favorite, too, because it's like, obviously, like, the forgiveness of sins is the greater of the two, yeah. even if we don't think about it that way. But I'm a little bit like Thomas. I want to. I want yeah, to see. Need, I need some proof. Yeah, exactly. And you know, but like, I don't think Deacon Jim would disagree with me on this. Like, he fixes people's feet. He gets them back up and going again. Mm-hmm. But I think he would agree. It's like what happens in the confessional, regardless of whoever the priest is, is more impactful and powerful, especially on an, an you know looking at a full salvation you know scope way of yeah. looking at it. Um, than, you only have what your he does. feet for 90, 90 years. Yeah, exactly. But your soul, your relationship with our Lord, that lasts into eternity. Mm-hmm. And your feet, I mean, okay, yeah, they're they're going to wear out. They're going to be buried. They will be glorified mm-hmm. eventually, which is awesome. Like our Lord will put the pieces back together. He knows what he's doing. So that's great. And so part of the first forgiveness of sins that we receive is ultimately at baptism, baptism right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we are baptized, we actually get a lot of graces, a lot of different graces through baptism. We receive forgiveness of sins, whether we've committed sins up to this point mm-hmm. or not, right? Because if we're baptizing as we normally do in the Catholic Church infants, yeah. they're not really of the state state of mind to commit sin, but they are having the original sin yeah. of Adam and Eve forgiven, which prevents us as human beings from entering heaven. Jesus Christ won that back for us through his death and resurrection, and we can receive that reward through the sacrament of baptism. And then if we have any temporal punishment, right, any purgatory time essentially that we've earned through our sins, that too, through baptism, is wiped away. Exactly. Truly, it is a rebirth. Oh, completely. Like you receive baptism and you are clean of every single thing that your parents, ancestors, Adam and Eve, you have ever done. Clean slate. Yep, completely. And that's why a long time ago, a lot of people used to wait until their deathbed to be baptized. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I'm going to do all this stuff, and then I'll just get baptized at the end. It's not really a good idea. Um, And that's why, I mean, we baptize infants from the get-go because you don't want to have that stuff hanging over your head. You want to live a life of grace because to be in communion with God, even in this life, as we've already kind of been talking about, is a glorious thing. And, you know, like we have this opportunity. It's like our, you know, our Lord's parables about, you know, the talents that he gives. It's like, you know, you don't want to just kind of wrap up any potential gifts and opportunities he's given you in a napkin and do nothing with them. It's like, no, get it, get, get to it. Like he's going to give you the light of Christ. You're going to be the, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Like you need to become a saint and change the world and make everything better by living out what he's asking you to live out today. And he gives us baptism to do that. And, you know, it brings us back into the communion that was lost by our first parents. But the amazing thing is that even if you do receive baptism later in life, mm-hmm. um, I listened to this podcast, the, uh, I think it's called the Catholic Church in America, and they talk about a lot of Americans, famous Americans who converted to Catholicism mm-hmm. right near their deathbed. Sure. A lot of famous actors and actresses and politicians and things. And, you know, they're like, hey, we have to understand that these people are still Catholic. 
Yeah. They maybe didn't live as the, in the Catholic Church for a very long time, but through the grace of God, yes, yeah. you could be on your deathbed. Yeah. Say, I want to become Catholic. You walk in, you mm-hmm. do baptism, first communion, confirmation. Oh yeah. They have all their sins forgiven. They have all temporal punishment paid back through this baptism. They die in the next ten minutes. Boom. And who are you or I to say that they're not in heaven? Yeah, absolutely. They, I mean, they received every single gift and grace within the church that you could possibly receive. Oh, yeah. Is that the suggested route to take? No, not at all. Not a good idea. But through the glory of God, that is still a route yeah. that is totally applicable. And many, many people, I'm sure, are in heaven and saved for that exact reason. Absolutely. And I've been blessed as a priest to get to do that for several different people. Yeah. And it's it's an awesome thing. And God, and it's it's like the question from our Lord in the parable about, you know, paying the ones who came last. Yep. They only worked an hour. They get paid the same. Like, oh, what's the deal? That, like, that they, is a really yeah. good Bible passage. Oh, yeah. And I love our Lord's line. It was our first line we put up on the scripture mm-hmm. uh, quote down by the street. Are you envious because I'm generous? Mm-hmm. Like, don't worry about what the gifts are that he's given your brother and sister. Like, ask him for the gifts that he wants to give you, you know, and then put them to good use. And, okay, yeah, he doesn't want you to be a deathbed conversion. Thanks be to God. Like, I'm glad that, you know, that I was blessed to be baptized as a baby, April 11th, 1982. Um, I received, you know, uh, confession, first communion as a child and, you know, and uh, confirmation when I was in the eighth grade. Kind of wish I could have gotten it as a kiddo because it'd be nice to have those graces earlier, but you know, whatever. That's a podcast for another time. As it is. We can discuss that some other time. But um, yeah, to have those graces throughout my life has been awesome. I'm grateful I've been a priest for 12 and a half years. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Um, are there challenges? Yeah, but I think I'd rather have the challenges of bearing my cross in communion with Christ and the grace that he gives than living in a dark world, having to bear a cross anyway, but without the grace that he's given all along the way. Like, I I don't think I'd want to live without that, you know? And and I get it. Okay, is it a, ooh, a lifestyle, the rich and famous, sexy life? No, it's not. And as my sister has said before, my vocation story is boring. But I'm cool with that. You know, it's like, I, I'd rather be close to our Lord, clinging to him every day than, you know, being away and falling into the despair that inevitably comes from grave sin. Yeah. And then the forgiveness of sins obviously doesn't stop. Of course not. That's of course not, not, not the end of the story. No. Oh, all your sins were forgiven. Congratulations. You cannot have any more sins forgiven. In, in fact, I just want to point out this little parenthetical thing. Like we're going to get a lot on forgiveness of sins later too. Because yes. it says part two of the catechism will deal explicitly with the forgiveness of sins through baptism, the sacrament of penance, and other sacraments, especially the Eucharist. Here it will suffice to suggest some basic basic facts briefly. I don't know. I liked that little no, parenthesis. I did like that too. But obviously, as the parenthesis said, the sacrament of penance of also is a huge oh, play. Huge. We've already talked about confession because you sat in the confessional for a couple hours last night. I did. It was great. But if you haven't gone to confession for a while, go do to it. confession. Do it. And uh, I think you all know my one of my biggest pet peeves. Don't do it. Um, Father, it's not like I have to go to confession or anything. It's not like I murdered anyone. Good for you. Um, but remember, the goal of following Jesus Christ is to be more than just a not murderer. So get to confession. I highly recommend once a month. Um, especially in in linking up with the first Saturday devotions that we talked about on the Fatima Wrap-Up podcast. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful thing to be doing. Highly recommend it. And there's all sorts of great promises attached to it. Our Blessed Mother just loving her and helping her, and, and she helps us so much. Plus, once a month is good because you just kind of keep things in check. I know it's not always easy. I'm the only priest here. I'm going to try to keep getting old Father Balky and Father Waswa to help us out every once in a while. But, um, yeah, just keep going to confession. It's glorious. Yeah, and can you imagine if the gospel was 
Don't be a murderer. All right, you can now kill me on the cross. Yeah. Like uh, a little bit of an oxymoron uh, and a very short gospel. Ee, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks be to God that that was not the only message Christ gave us. Absolutely. There's a whole lot more. All right. Now, a little bit more about the office of the Pope, I believe, and the power of the keys, office of the church, right? That the church has the authority to do these things, mm-hmm. right? As we kind of already talked about, um, that priests, you, that the apostles, that the Pope, that the church as a whole has power to forgive sins. Yeah. This is not just something that's been made up, as we already talked about with the gospel passage of Jesus, you know, healing the lame man. He has this power, and he's giving the power to others in his command. And two other quick things. One, paragraph 982. I underlined this because I found it very important. I underlined 982 as well. Uh, There is no offense, however serious, that the church cannot forgive. There is no one, however wicked and guilty, who may not confidently hope for forgiveness, provided his repentance is honest. Christ, who died for all men, desires that in his church, the gates of forgiveness should always be open to anyone who turns away from sin. So that line there, provided his repentance is honest. As long as you're not making a mockery of confession, you know, it's like, oh, Father, you know, and yeah, whatever, I did this, you know. Because I remember, I, I know I've had stuff like this happen before. It's like, oh, uh, you know, I was looking at this. I was watching pornography online. But, you know, I'm a man. Like, are you sorry? Well, I'm like, you got to knock that off. That's terrible. Like, stop doing that. And then it's like, well, you know, and, and all of a sudden, like, I, I, you know me. It takes a lot for me to kind of get to that point. Go get out. Get back in line. Yeah, when come you're on. sorry, come back in. And that's the thing. It's like, you just have to be honestly sorry. It doesn't matter how bad it is. I mean, I've forgiven some some big ones, you know. Um and our Lord wants you to be free from that. Like, that's the glory. So, and, and remember this too, as the priest, like the only thing that would like make me not be real happy with you is if I can tell you're making a mockery of this. Like, pff, whatever, I guess I should come to this. Like, don't do that, you know? Just like, you know, I'm not going to take the wonderful work you do for the parish for granted. Like, pff, thanks, Michael. You know, the studio looks great. You know, like, I mean, no, I... Yeah, that's a crappy example, but like, what are you saying? The studio doesn't look great. No, no, it looks awesome. (laughs) I love the studio, but you know, it's like appreciating the gift that God has given us. And, and really, and like, that's the thing. Like, that's the only thing that our Lord, he's not going to forgive the sin you don't ask for forgiveness for. That's it really. I mean, it doesn't matter how bad it is. And if you've been carrying a sin for a long time and it's something you're embarrassed about and you're just, don't let the devil hold it over your head, bring it into the light. Um, it is so glorious to see people. And when they come in, it's been 40 years since my last confession. And Father, I hate to tell you this, but you know, I had an abortion. I had this. When I get to give someone absolution, when it's been that long and something like that, I mean, it's like I can hear heaven open up and, and like the joy and the celebration and all this. And it's like, man, like you've done penance for the last 40 years. Like go, you know, pray a rosary and thank God for his mercy. Like, it's incredible. So, like, never be embarrassed. Like, and, and we priests, you know, it's like you, you think about the seal of confession. Mm-hmm. Like, not only, you know, can I never tell anyone, like, I can't treat you different. And with people, it's like, well, you're going to think differently of me. Like, you're not, like, here's the thing. Like, in the moment, the only thing I can say is if someone comes, they confess a big sin, I'm proud of them for doing it. You know, like, I'm grateful I got to be part, like, to participate in that. Um, and that's it. Like, I can't treat someone differently. Think of them differently. I just put it into our Lord's hands and thank him for the fact I get to be a priest. So yeah. all you have to be is sincere. That's it. That's all it takes. It's awesome. It's it's amazing that that's 
how little we have to really oh, participate. Completely. You don't even have to remember to, everything. Jesus just has to take care of the rest. Yeah, because like even let's say it's been forty years. It's not as though our Lord is like, wait a second. What did you do on April the fifth, nineteen seventy-eight? You he said do you that. lied four yeah, times, but it was but fifteen. Like no, like he didn't give us perfect memories. Therefore, he doesn't require perfect recall. The only thing you can't do is not bring something up that you remember that you know about intentionally. Like you confess five things and you're like, wait, I did rob a bank yesterday, but I can't tell five of that. I'm too embarrassed. Don't do that. As long as it's not an intentional withholding, everything gets forgiven. Mm -hmm. That's glorious. And like to see people like, like almost like float out of the confessional because they're just lighter than air. I mean, it's just, it's an awesome, awesome thing. Um, And that's what our Lord wants to do. And this is the second thing I was thinking of. You know, when I was celebrating Mass this morning, kind of thinking about these paragraphs a little bit, um, you know, it's interesting at the consecration, you know, with the consecration of the chalice, which will be poured out, which will be poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. I mean, it's like the very heart and foundation of our faith, our Lord's pouring out his precious blood. Why was that? So your sins could be forgiven. Mm-hmm. So don't fall in the trap of going, yeah, I'm a good person. Like, no, like it, it doesn't work that way. You're a person. You do good things, you do bad things. You need the forgiveness of sins. Stay close And you may Christ. even be a good person. Sure. But you're not a perfect person. No, none of us are. And isn't it interesting, like, the greatest of saints, the further they climb the mountain, the more they know that they need the mercy of God, mm-hmm. the more humble they get. It's like you think about St. Francis, like, calling himself the worst of all sinners and throwing himself into rose bushes and all that kind of stuff. Like, basically, it's like he's getting closer to the holiness and realizing, like, I rely on God's grace so much. And that's the thing is you approach that holiness, you realize it, but it, it's not like our Lord is trying to make you feel like nothing, like you're little, don't forget it. It's like, no, you realize it yourself, like, God, you've been so good to me. You know, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. I realize it's like, I'm not doing this because it's me. I get to do this because God has given me the grace to overcome my own sins, to overcome my own faults and failings. And to use those and fit those back in and to use them in the right way and, you know, strive to keep going. Yeah. That's so great. And through this perfection, little segue here. Please. If we get to heaven, God willing, we get the resurrection of the body, right? Which is awesome. Which we aren't going to get through the whole resurrection of the body section because it doesn't, it goes past paragraph thousand. But this is real. Yeah. Right. The resurrection of the body. Okay. And again, this is one of those things where we, kind of nice resurrection of the body yeah, but we we can't comprehend the glory of heaven first of all as we yeah. talked about with the communion of saints but then it gets better yeah and and i love not love but i like to meditate on the fact that even in heaven at this point we as a perfect composite of body and soul we died tomorrow and we went to heaven technically speaking we're still not whole mm-hmm. we're still not complete we're in the perfect glory of heaven mm-hmm. with our soul Yep. But we as human beings are more than just soul, right? Angels, pure spirit, animals, pure corporal body. We are a perfect composition of the two. So Jesus recognizes that when we die, we are still missing something yeah. that we ultimately will get back. And I know there's all this debate about what kind of body will we get? Will we get this body? It's God. Yeah. Let's just trust he's taking care of it. It is going to be perfect, no yeah. matter what it is. Absolutely. And I think the glory of what that's going to look like, and you already brought it up, but the end of the C.S. Lewis last battle. Yeah. To me, that is the best like image of heaven I've ever read. Yeah. 
absolutely amazing. Just the ability to be in this physical heaven. What does yeah. that even mean? I don't know, but it's going to be awesome. Oh, so good. And, you know, you look at the resurrection accounts of our Lord. I mean, it just sort of drives that home. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the line, you know, when he's with them behind the locked doors, I think it's in the Gospel of Luke, and he asks them, do you have anything to eat? Like, I love that because it just shows us like, and they gave him a piece of baked fish and he ate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not as though eating is just gone. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I'm kind of happy about but it because I enjoy it. eating with a resurrected body? How much better things are going to yeah. taste? How much you don't have to worry about eating too much because you're going to have better mm-hmm. control over yeah, your Perfect control. Senses. Exactly. It's, I mean, how could eating get better than it already is? I don't know. And I apparently it will. And, you know, it's and so good. Like, there's a bourbon up there, too? Oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking so Perfect forward to it. Perfect tasting bourbon. It's going to be amazing. And so, like, to think of all that, I would just say, I mean, it kind of fits in. You know, it says about the progressive re- revelation of the resurrection. You know, as we talk about all this and about, you know, what is rising? Who will rise? How? Like, having mass down in the cemetery is such a good thing because it shows. It's like, hey this person mattered. They existed. They were here. Their body lies right here, right now. And so to take care of the body we've been given and to give it due honor in this way, and I mean, the way that the church has given us to do this is essentially to plant it in a garden in the cemetery to know that one day it will rise again. And so to take care of our bodies is an important thing. Because I know some people are like, oh, I don't need that anymore. It doesn't matter. I mean, when you think about it, we just talked about baptism. That's the body that had the water poured over it, the Trinitarian formula said, and it's sins forgiven. You can't be baptized in merely a spiritual way. Like, oh, I bet. It's like, no, no, it requires water. Like, there is matter that has to happen, and that, that water hit that head, and those sins were forgiven by that happening and those words. Um, That's and, the body that absorbed the Eucharist. Exactly, that received Jesus Christ. And for women, that's the body out of which new life came. I mean, it's like the temple that you are, that the love of husband and wife coming together and new life coming into the world, it's an incredible thing. And so, okay, I'm going to go on my one little rant. I think you know where I'm probably going to go. Not a big cremation fan. Oh, yeah. Um, why is that? Like, okay, if you have a loved one who's been cremated, am I saying you're evil? No, the church does allow it, but the church doesn't prefer it. Why? Because you're taking the body and you're you're burning it up and you have the ashes. And the very fact, now granted, we can do that and then bury them or intern them in a columbarium, something like that. Okay, fine. Like that's what the church will allow for. Too often it's like people want to take that body and then just like throw it away as though it's nothing. It's just dust. Like don't do that. It's a gift you've been given by God. And I think just, you know, the body burial in the ground to see – the beautiful rites at the at the uh, the funeral mass, you know, the draping with the pall, the incensing of the body. Why do we do all that? Because it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And when you've been given a gift, you know, the way you treat that gift shows in a big way what you think of the gift giver. You know, and so to be able to give, you know, like to 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 plant your body in the cemetery, so to speak. I just kind of like that imagery. You know, it's like this is the place for it to go. Um, and it's there, and we know that it will rise again. Can, can our Lord put broken pieces back together? Of course he can. But why be the one doing the breaking, you know? Um, it's like, yeah, Maximilian Kolbe, you know, burned up with all those others in Auschwitz. But 
I don't feel like that's a good justification to allow for um, for cremation. There's all types of things in the church where this is the norm, yeah, and this is the exceptional circumstance that can happen, yeah. But we should do the norm and allow God to take care of the exceptional. Exactly, and I want to say too, it's one of those things where okay, I know it's a little bit more of a financial burden, not insanely so, but it is worth it. It's so good. And to give that kind of honor to the body is an important thing. Oh, we just lost the camera for some reason. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Well, now we can only see Father. <laughs> All right. Well, I, the camera didn't like what I was saying about cremation. Well, that's the camera that's on both of us. So luckily we still have this one. All right, well, with that. <laughs> with that. we only have one camera. We did get to the end. We basically. Did we did. We, we did. We right on hey, first, we're only like five minutes over. Fantastic. That's pretty good. Okay, since we're only on me, I'll look at the camera instead of at you as I Perfect. pray. That's fine. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the gift of our life, for, for the gift of the hope that you have come personally to bring us since you are Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you for the gift of our blessed mother and the whole communion of the saints who help us each and every day. Help us to strive to pick up our crosses, to follow you, to have undying, unending hope in the resurrection, in the resurrection of our own bodies, that we may be with you, our Blessed Mother, and all the saints in heaven forever. And we ask this as we pray, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God.